nightmare for people that had to try to prepare for him because he, he had unique skills. Just go get the quarterback. I felt sorry for some of those poor tackles that came in and to go against him because they didn't realize what they were getting themselves into. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Lights out. Sacking the cornerback is just like uh, like you like you devastate a city or you cream or you cream a multitude of people. I mean, it's just like like you put all the offensive players in one bag and I just take a baseball bat and beat on the bag. So each time he came over there, I tried to tear his damn head off. Let's play some football. Let's play some football. The pressure is on. This is Off the Edge on Tide 100.9. Focus on what you want to do, what you want to accomplish. Think about that. Don't think about how you feel, how tired you are, how hot it is. You got to push yourselves on the field when you're playing football. It's my honor to present the National Championship Trophy to Coach Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. To me, this is the ultimate team. All these guys bought into everything they needed to do to be the best players that they could be. There's more togetherness on this team than almost any team that we've ever had. And they had to overcome and persevere so much adversity through this season. And they've done it magnificently. And I'm so proud of this group for what they've been able to accomplish and going undefeated and winning the national championship. Streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and the Tide 100.9 app. Here is your host of Off the Edge, Jacob Harrison. Your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Jacob Harrison here, digital managing editor of Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa. Joe Gaither there, brand manager, Tide 100.9. Mason Woods, Hunter Brantley behind the glass. Helping us out today, Tuesday, where we're going to talk with AJ Spur in about 12 minutes. Get his thoughts on a couple of different things. What we're going to start with is the fact that Alabama landed 18 players on the Athlon Sports preseason All-SEC team. And the reason I want to start there is because I think there is uh, a slight perspective that maybe it, it happens every year that Alabama loses a national championship. It's the end of the dynasty, right? We're, we're in a space where is Nick Saban losing his touch? And now the NIL and the transfer portal and everything that is coming along, what is going to happen with the Alabama Crimson Tide and the future? And my response to that usually is, in Nick Saban, we trust, right? I was reading something on The Athletic today that was, are we overlooking Alabama's problems on the offensive line? Are they... Is this something that is insurmountable? 
And the the writer for The Athletic that responded to the question said, well, why don't you think back to the Clemson Tigers who won national championships with Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, and they only had two offensive linemen from both of those championship teams that were even drafted and neither higher than John Simpson in the fourth round to the Las Vegas Raiders. They didn't need an elite offensive line. They needed an elite quarterback, and they needed elite playmakers and an elite defense. Alabama, now that Georgia has lost so much talent on the defensive side of the ball, may very well have the best defensive player, or excuse me, the, the best defensive unit in all of college football. So all of our concerns really are tied into, is this offensive line good enough to get the job done? And also, is this wide receiving core going to be enough for Bryce Young? Because at the very least, while Bryce Young worked with less last year than what Mac Jones had the year prior, he did have Jamison Williams. He did have John Mechie, two fantastic wide receivers, one that was a first-rounder despite an ACL tear and another that may have very well been a first-rounder had he not torn his ACL. Heading into the 2022 season, though, Georgia comes down to earth just a tad bit. It's still going to have Stetson Bennett at quarterback, so it'll still be handcuffed to a degree Will the Bulldogs. The Alabama Crimson Tide has 18 players on that Athlon Sports preseason All-SEC team. The Georgia Bulldogs have 13. Texas A&M has 12. And Tennessee has 10. LSU, Kentucky, Auburn, Mississippi State each checked in with nine selections. And you go down the board, it's Bryce Young. It's Jameer Gibbs as an all-purpose all player. It's Emil Ekior, Byron Young, Will Anderson, Henry Toto, and Jordan Battle as the first-teamers, while the second-teamers are Jermaine Burton, Dallas Turner, Eli Ricks, and Will Reichert. Cameron Latu, Kool-Aid McKinstry on the third team, Javion Cohen, DJ Dale, Brian Branch, DeMarco Helms on the fourth. This is a very deep Alabama Crimson Tide. In 2022, a team that I think has gotten better defensively, a team that sure you can look at this and say, yeah, it's probably fair to put Dallas Turner as a second team, all American preseason. By the time it's done, he's going to be one of the two or three best pass rushers in the country. By the time it's done, we're going to be looking at him in the same light that we looked at Will Anderson in last year. It's fair to put Jermaine Burton as a second team. He's only got, what, 60 catches in his career, but he hasn't had a guy like Bryce Young throwing him the ball. It's fair to put a guy like uh, like Will Reichert on the second team, but I, I strongly encourage you to, to, to actually look away from LSU and Florida for one year, Auburn for another, and and look in the direction of a kicker who doesn't miss a lot of kicks for the first time in Alabama Crimson Tide history, it feels. It's fair to put Cameron Latu and Kool-Aid McKinstry on the third team. They'll both be productive members of this offense. Cameron Latu no longer has to worry about a Jalil Billingsley taking reps that he doesn't rightfully deserve to have. Kool-Aid McKinstry will be one of the two shutdown corners on this team. Javion Cohen, by season's end, will have a ton of respect for him himself as a potential NFL draft pick, I think he is the best offensive lineman on this on this line, not Emil Ekior. DJ Dale, arguably the best defensive lineman on this team as well. 
Brian Branch, DeMarco Helms. Brian Branch is severely underrated on a national scale. So you give credit to all the guys who are first-teamers. They deserve it. Byron Young being uh, probably, to me, the most surprising as well as Emil Acuor. But overall, you've got something there that works. And then you kind of step back and you're like, well, what about guys like Justin Aboigby? What about guys like Kyrie Jackson? What about guys like Treshawn Holden? What about guys like Roydell Williams, Jace McClellan, Trey Sanders? Guys that are going to contribute to this team that maybe the the national scale doesn't see. Not true. We're going to have a much more tighter focus on what's going on at Alabama than we are with other programs. And you can look at this and say, well, Georgia may have come back down to earth, but where they sit in a coming back down to earth stance is still very, very high on the totem pole of college football. A&M sits about where they tend to. And Tennessee is on the rise while LSU is on, on, on the downswing. Auburn's on a downswing. Kentucky and Mississippi state are also on the rise. I look around the, the nature of where college football is at. And I feel pretty confident that we shouldn't be quite as worried about Alabama. We should look at other programs and say, okay, there's some talent out there. There's some, there are teams out there that can challenge Alabama. I still think the regular season schedule is what it is, but I still think the team that maybe we're, we're looking ahead to Georgia a little bit in Atlanta at the sec championship. But I think when you want to look at that regular season and you want to look at a program that is on the rise, but actually has a legitimate shot of beating Alabama. And it's been something that's been said many, many times. Uh, and, and one that I've been hesitant to, to really completely jump onto. And it's Tennessee. It's the volunteers. It's Josh Heupel's offense. It's not Kentucky. It's not. Oh, I know the guy on the phone might, might be a little bit upset about that, but it's, it's the fact of, of what it is. When you've got Hendon hooker in that offense, you've got, Something incredibly special. Now, sure, the offensive line is still a work in progress. The skill positions are still a work in progress. The defense is still a work in progress. But it is a team that has a wealth of expectations on on itself heading into the season. And I'm not sold on trying to give Tennessee what I gave Ole Miss last year, a 10-win season where they only lose to Alabama and Georgia, and and you know that's that's it. 10-win season, they're fantastic, they're back. I'm not so sure that that's where we should sit with Tennessee, but I think there should be a tad bit more caution about what the Vols are bringing to the table in 2022 because sometimes that's all you need is is the quarterback. Sometimes that's all you need is a chance with with a quality head coach that's got things moving in the right direction quickly. 10 10 preseason all SEC players, including a wide receiver in Cedric Tillman on the first team, including Byron Young, their own Byron Young on the first team on the defensive line, and including Hennon Hooker, who is the second team uh, all SEC preseason quarterback. There's something there to be weary of. There's something there 
to be cautious about. Let's head out to the phone lines and let's talk with Jeff before we get in touch with our friend AJ Spur. Jeff, what's going on, buddy? How's it going? How's it going? How you doing? Doing all right. Enjoying, enjoying your summer. Summer so far, a little bit of it. What, what, what little, a little we got. I was going to ask you, what do you think about the five SEC teams left in the in baseball? Three on the road, and two hosts, and Tennessee and A and M, and three on the road. So. Alabama like had a great record against those teams this year, actually. Yeah, I feel like uh, didn't Alabama uh, sweep Ole Miss? Sweep Ole Miss, I mean, beat A&M in the series, uh, took, took three out of four against Arkansas, two, uh, one, one and two against Tennessee. But really, uh, for all those that, that left Alabama out of the tournament, uh, I think Alabama's got well, a decent little argument well, now. Let's, let, let's see. Let, let's see. Uh, a guy at Auburn told me Kentucky wasn't playing them either. Let's see. Tennessee with Kentucky, Brad Park got their ass trashed. Two to one, two games to one. Kentucky walked twelve men against Tennessee and still beat their butt in extra innings. Okay, so let's not even go there. They beat TCU in a series. TCU is in the tournament. Oh, they beat they beat Vanderbilt twice. They went to the semifinals, a twelve seed in the SEC tournament. That shows how for you. That's what baseball is when a twelve seed is the semifinals. And softball couldn't get up. Florida got the heck we beat out of them yesterday by UCLA. So what's what's going on with softball? Alabama couldn't get up. They must be the sick for super regionals every year. I don't know what, but maybe Patrick Murphy's on the hot seat. What do you think? He might be on the hot seat. <laughs> he should not be on the I hot seat. And so, you know, but we're going to take solace and celebrate the 10 years ago we won a national championship, say that sometimes well, stuff well, happens, well, this, and move on. This, this, a guy called up last year after, after his own with when they lost the World Series and called up fine bomb and was slamming Murphy for being there 12, 13 times, only winning it once. Well, that's, uh, that, the, that's, that's the kind of people that, that listen to that show. Well, well, well y'all, y'all, y'all talk about y'all talk about saving, saving we trust. So you know, I, I guess Tennessee in Murphy we trust. Well, whatever, well, whatever. I guess I, I guess Tennessee's gonna gonna win ten, and Kentucky's gonna win two, ain't they? We ain't got no talent. I didn't say no that. Nothing. Well, mm-hmm. you you talk about Hinton Hook like he's a damn uh, Johnny Unitas or damn Peyton Manning. You would think he's pretty he's good. Some, when, he, when he played at Virginia Tech, Kentucky beat his ass that belt bowl. With Lynn Bowden throwing winning touchdown pass. Yeah. It sure as heck wasn't Hayden Hooker doing nothing. And he got transferred to Tennessee to beat Kentucky. He had trans- well, let's go to- I'll beat Kentucky now. I'll be at Tennessee, I guess. It's like, like, like Vince Merrill told that guy, he said, this is SEC, bro. What you think this is? We ain't playing no ACC junk. He couldn't get up. In Blacksburg, he had to come to Knoxville, couldn't he? And what's Charles Hyper going to do? What's Charles Hyper going to do in the Music City Bowl? It wasn't no touchdown. He's learning. Purdue beat his ass, didn't he? He's learning right now, isn't he, babe? Josh Hyper, are you kidding me? He's on the he's on the college football Hall of Fame Hall of Fame bout, but it ain't for no coaching. It's for playing. I can tell you that. It sure as hell ain't for coaching. He ain't done it long enough. So he'll learn in love and life these things. Yeah. And like I say, what what you think about Jordan Beck flipping off everybody at the SEC at the NCAA tournament? Baseball. He's from Hazel Green, Alabama. You think that he's he's a good guy? Come on, comments, guys. Give me some comments. You, well, we, you're, you're we, firing off too fast, Jeff. We, we, we know, we, we know, you, we know, you, we know, you, we know you hate Kentucky, Jacob. We know you hate us. Oh yeah, we know that. Definitely. You hate us all the time, baby. Hey, 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 Jeff, just a little radio tip. Hey, you got to make a you got to make a point and give give a little space for the for, for a comment if you want some comments, my friend, my man. Yeah, if you want to spout them off, you're free to spout them off. I mean, you <laughs> wait, know wait, I wait. like Kentucky. You know that I like Will Levis. You know that I like Coach Stoops. You would, know that I like the offense. Well, you said Hinton Hooker's better than him. That and, I did not they've already, say. They've that. already said. They've already said. He Will is Levis better. He, he is. I'll say it. He is better. I mean, 
I, I'm, I'm not against something. saying it, but it's not what I said. I didn't actually say anything about Kentucky, Jeff. Okay, that's fine. Because I there's was talking about already, Tennessee. That's how. There, there's people. There's people already out there that think well, that is going to be a top ten, top five pick in the draft next. I don't think that's so, so what, at all going to happen. <laughs> Who was the well, Iowa State quarterback that they thought was going to be a top? Uh, Brock Purdy. Remember that? Brock Purdy yeah. to, to last year. Oh, Brock Purdy's going to be a top 10 pick. And where did he go? Mr. Irrelevant. Last pick of the draft. Yeah. Let's, let's not put any stock to pre, to mock drafts at this point in the yeah, year. Yeah, we can talk about Jamie well, Newman, too. And don't put, any, don't put any stock in preseason All-ACC teams either in football. Don't put any stock in that. Uh, don't nobody care about A little bit that. different people. Don't nobody put, care. Put, put, a little, little, there is a drastic difference I'd rather, I'd rather be a postseason preseason. There's Don't a drastic. If you want my comments, Jeff, you have to be quiet. <laughs> I there is a drastic difference in talking about a quarterback that is projected to be a top ten, top five pick in the NFL draft because people are looking for content, and a guy being selected as a second team preseason All American by one outlet, and we're talking about the one outlet, and he will most likely be selected by many more outlets. Will Levis okay. will not. And that okay, is a one yeah. example of why people are backing Tennessee as a potential threat to Alabama, as a potential threat to Georgia, as a potential threat to the SEC East. Yeah. And there yeah, are certain yeah. people, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. me included, who would make similar arguments for Kentucky. And it's not because of Will Levis. It's because Coach Stoops has built a fantastic football team that can challenge in the East. And I have told you this on multiple, multiple occasions that the East is stronger now. And it's because Kentucky has gotten better because T Tennessee has gotten better because South Carolina went out and got a quarterback that could, that could potentially shift the tides for them. Florida has a better head coach. Now there are things that are working over there that are going to make it a more difficult for anybody to challenge in the East, but it also opens things up for a Kentucky to potentially win the East for the first time. These are things yeah. that I've said well, before in the past, Jeff. Well, well simple, simple as this. When, when they have July media days, here's your order. Georgia 1, probably Florida 2, Tennessee 3, South Carolina 4, Ken Kentucky 5 or 6, better be up down there. That's what it's going to be. And Florida was picked second last year. Where did they finish? Sixth. Okay? They're never going to be picked fifth or sixth. Yeah. The Let Florida them be wrong. Be down there. Let them They're be wrong. Be never. Okay, and tell you never gonna be picked second or third in the East. They'll never be picked that. I high. picked them third, third in the East last year. Uh, I came pretty close. Well, they, yeah, but I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying preseason. I'm not the media days. I'm talking about. I'm part, of the, <laughs> I'm part I'm, of the media. I'm part of the people most that of make it. These. You, you vote. I'm saying the majority of them not gonna do it. I'm well, let them. That's why they're wrong and why why I'm right and why. Why, well, that's, uh, that's why they that's why they was wrong last year. They said Ford is going to finish second. They finished it. Ford is still trying to score inside of 10 at Kroger Field. They run about 10, 10 trillion plays now. They still trying to score, but they still can't do it. Raymond Byrne, all the rest of them. Dan Mullen is trying to score. And Mullen, Muschamp, and McElwain, the 3M, the, the 3M and the 3M and M boys, they still trying to do something. And they still can't, so they're going to learn in love and life. And Steve Spurrier is the only one ever did anything. Because like Barry Bryant said years ago, if Ford ever gets him a football coach, look out. And Ford has only got 30 years of tradition. Because before 1990, Florida wasn't worth a damn in football. They couldn't do crap, and you know it. So y'all have a good day. Later, Jeff. Jeff! Let's talk with A.J. Spurrier next here on Off the Edge. Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Town Square.
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Occasionally cloudy with scattered to numerous showers and thunderstorms this afternoon and tonight. The high today 89, tonight's low 70. For tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers and thunderstorms around. The high 88. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 85 degrees in Tuscaloosa. We aren't going anywhere. Off the Edge is available in the Podcast Center on Tide100.9.com. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Miami. Uh, uh, South Beach, bringing the heat. Uh, <laughs> can y'all feel that? Can y'all feel that? Jig it out. Uh, here I am in the place where I come let go In Miami, the base and the sunset low Every day like a Mardi Gras Everybody party all day, no work, all play, okay? So we Back here on Off the Edge, Tide 100.9 Your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports, Jacob Harrison here With you Mason Woods, Hunter Brantley behind the glass Joe Gaither across from me We're hanging out, talking Alabama Crimson Tide football Among many other things Arguing with callers, you know the traditions of sports radio. We're going to go out to the phone lines now and welcome in our good friend, AJ Spur, the site editor of RollTideWire.com, the USA Today affiliate of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Can somebody, Hunter Brantley, maybe? Oh, I got you. I got you. Press oh, the button yeah. for AJ. Yeah, there we go. AJ, what's going on, buddy? How y'all doing? Long time caller, first time listener. Just wanted to... Just wanted to swing by because it's been a little bit. Jacob, how you doing? I'm doing all right, making it through. Uh, trying, trying to create more of a distraction with with sports and not talk about nil so much. Uh, we spent a good chunk of the day yesterday uh, bemoaning the fact that we have to talk about nil so much and that it, it takes away from the distraction. So we're going to talk a little bit more on field stuff, a little bit more projection. Uh, yesterday, Athlon Sports released its uh, 2022 preseason all SEC teams. Alabama landed 18 players on those four teams, and Jameer Gibbs made it twice. And my question to you to kick things off is: Do we have a little bit of a a, a complex of our own? Are we a little bit too worried about the state of the 2022 Crimson Tide? I, I feel like maybe we're in we're in a depressive state where we haven't necessarily reached acceptance yet, where we think that maybe Alabama is a little bit worse than they are, but in reality, I think they're they're a tad bit more stacked. What, what what's kind of your perspective on the team heading into the season? You know, I, my perspective of of how everybody's feeling about this 2022 team is not that it's not stacked. It's that now we have a stacked Alabama team matching up against other stacked SEC teams, especially within the SEC West. So it's really a matter of do we think this team is going to run the table um, in conference this season because I don't think Texas's defense is going to be able to do anything uh, to mitigate this Alabama offense, but we've got to look at Brian Kelly's LSU in its first season. Might lead to some unpredicted things. Uh, obviously, Texas A&M uh, with, you know, I'm not even going to go into that because he says you don't want to talk about NIL. <laughs> um, uh, Sam Pittman at Arkansas is building something strong that has the potential to stay for more than just a few seasons. And maybe, just maybe, this is the year they get the ball rolling with a takedown of the Crimson Tide. And, of course, I've seen a lot of people 
online start pointing to the third Saturday in October being one of the biggest upset of you know possibilities for the 2022 season. No. Uh, could Tennessee finally snap the streak? So I don't think it's that anybody's worried about the talent Alabama has on this roster heading into 2022 as much as it is how this talent matches up with some of these other, you know, strong, experienced teams that have been together for a little bit longer, whereas Alabama now bringing in a lot of these younger guys, bringing in a lot of transfers, you just got to ask, you know, do they gel enough in time for the season to start? Well, is, is there one of those teams that maybe you point to a little bit more? I, I pointed at Kentucky. I, I'm I'm on that boat. I think Kentucky is, excuse me, we were just arguing about Kentucky. Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee is the team that, that is on that track to make the third Saturday in October more of a rivalry again. You know, the, the second they win a game, it's more, it's more of a rivalry than it's been over the past 15 years. But I think when you've got the quarterback, you can feel much more confident in your ability to get things done, even when you have to go up against a juggernaut defense like what the Alabama Crimson Tide is bringing to the table this year. But is there one that, that sticks out to you? Is, is it the, the team in that putrid orange? It's got to be between two teams for me, uh, the Aggies or Tennessee. But I'm going to agree with you on Tennessee for the sole purpose of it's going to mean a little bit more for Tennessee. Josh Heupel, who I don't think a lot of people gave a ton of credit to when landing the Tennessee job, he's done nothing but prove everybody wrong. He's been able to show that he's willing to stay in Tennessee you know, at Lane Kiffin, he's willing to uh, to build a program that is not just competitive compared to Tennessee of recent seasons, but competitive in the SEC overall. He wants to win the East, and obviously, being Tennessee, you have to go through Alabama in order to do that. Haven't been able to do it since 2006 or 2005, but this could be the season. Their offense looks good. The defense. It, it, it's stronger than it has been in recent seasons. And Josh Heupel, like I said, he just continues to do what a lot of people think he can't, and that's coach up a Tennessee team to be legitimately good. So Tennessee's the one I've got circled on my calendar. So th- this one is uh, mostly for the caller that we were just arguing with. Um, mentioning Kentucky mentioning Hendon Hooker and the impact that he's going to have with Tennessee. Both guys are kind of in the same territory when it comes to NFL draft prospects. Hendon Hooker is a little bit older, uh, but he's got a cannon arm. Will Levis has been, has shown some serious flashes of being a pro style quarterback that, that teams could get behind. But there's also that performance against Georgia where he didn't do enough to make, to, to allow Kentucky to be in the game the way that many people thought that they would be. So if you had to go into this season, regardless of, of the circumstances, you need one of these two quarterbacks and they're the only two that you can choose from. Are you going with Hendon Hooker? Or are you going with Will Levis? If you ask national pundits, especially you know draft or so-called draft experts and analysts, they're going to go with Will Levis. All right? For some reason, I keep seeing him early to mid first round projection in a loaded QB class. For 2023, uh, they, there's no analysis offered. There's there's no you know solid projections as to what they expect him to be in this 2022 college football season. However, I have seen what Hendon Hooker is capable of doing 
two opposing defenses. A healthy Hendon Hooker is is going to mean serious trouble for the rest of the SEC. If I have to pick between the two, it's an easy choice. Hendon Hooker seven days out of the week and twice on Sundays. I strongly, strongly agree with that. But at the same time, I love a mobile quarterback with with a strong arm. Uh, most people tend to do that these days. The the Josh Allen's, Patrick Mahomes of of the world, uh, very easily will will sway your opinions on such things. Well, as we're talking about potential teams to to come in and wreck the Crimson Tide season, I've said multiple times. I think the the schedule on the surface is is baby butt soft. It it is not it is not a difficult schedule to get through. You know, we're, we're going to have to find a way to get hyped about Utah State to open the season and then follow that up with a trip to Texas where you said it right. There's really not enough reason to be overly concerned about Texas from a fan standpoint. Now, you know, the Crimson Tide will be concerned. They'll take Quinn Ewers and by John Robinson very, very seriously. Steve Sarkeesian very, very seriously as well. But in the grand scheme of things, that's just the 2022 season. As things move forward and that burnt orange moves into the SEC along with its rival Oklahoma Sooners, the SEC does have to revisit its scheduling. And it was a topic that was brought up during the uh, spring meetings. And I'm curious where you stand on what you would like to see for the SEC and its potential changes to its scheduling when those two teams join the SEC or even prior to then. So I am a, a big anti-pod advocate. I, I don't like the idea of splitting up these 16 teams, soon to be 16 teams, um, into little pods of four teams or three teams, whatever you want to do it. it. It doesn't make sense to me. And I keep seeing these articles being published of if slash when uh, the SEC moves to pods instead of divisions, which rivalries should they keep? It, it, you know, and they're talking about destroying some of these rivalries that have lasted, you know, half a century, sometimes even a century or longer. It, it doesn't make much sense to me to do it that way. They're they're almost acting as if, well, this is it. We have no other alternative. And you want to add one more team to both divisions? I don't have an issue with that. I don't. Eight teams in each division. That's fine. Obviously, now you have to question whether you move Oklahoma or Texas into the East or maybe take a West team, give it over to the East, uh, Auburn, maybe, um, and, and then just call it a day and leave Oklahoma and Texas in the West. That makes geographic sense. But in, in this day and age where the SEC has so much money, it, geographic location doesn't mean anything. Traveling expenses are nothing but a drop in the bucket for, for SEC football. Um, I, I would probably be leaning toward divisions. However, I'm not close-minded in the sense of, you know, maybe there are a few alternatives. Maybe they just say, you know, screw it, throw their hands in the air and say, let's just make a new schedule. Every year we'll kind of treat it like, um, you know, the NFL, where a few teams uh, play each other for a few years and then move on. So instead of having pods that are consistent year in and year out, keep a pod for two or three years, switch it up. The 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 model that I like, uh, I, I think Kirk McNair over at Bama Online is is the one that formulated the idea, used the message boards to, to kind of perfect it, and I think it's even been handed off to Greg Sankey and the folks at the SEC, 
is a three six six model where you have three permanent opponents and then you rotate the other six and you make sure that within a four year period you have you have those rivalries. So Alabama would be able to keep Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee. Uh, but you would also make sure that you visit every SEC team home and away for the rest of the season. One thing, though, no matter which way you go about this, one change inevitably comes. There's there's one thing you know that Nick Saban has argued for is is the fact of having nine conference games. I think when you move to sixteen, that's something that you're you're gonna have to to do, and it would help to for Alabama to not have to play Utah, Mercer, and and all these other smaller schools, New Mexico State every four years. Just to to give those schools a paycheck, let's have some competition instead and make sure that there can be a natural rivalry between Alabama and either Texas and Oklahoma or both. And also make sure that Alabama gets to play South Carolina, gets to play Missouri, Vanderbilt, Kentucky on a more regular basis. Florida, it was fun being down in the swamp as well. Uh, But one of the pushbacks of that is the, the teams at the bottom of the conference saying, we don't want want nine extra losses, and we want to be bowl eligible. How much do you think that should really weigh into the conversations in changing these schedules into whatever, appeasing the Vanderbilts of of the conference, the Missouri's, Mississippi States, the teams that are perennially at the bottom? Win at least one more game in the SEC. That that's what I got to say. There's no need to alter everything just because one of the and I hate saying this because it's it's an SEC program these are you know top athletes from across the nation but a lower tier SEC team you know complaining about one additional loss when odds are that extra game might just be somebody or another program that is at an equal level to you within the conference you know so I'm not against it at all. I completely agree with what you say. When you're in the SEC, you're trying to build a CFP resume, um, getting rid of Citadel, Mercer, Southern Miss, and and substituting that in with Florida, South Carolina. I mean, really any SEC team, it's a a boost. You know, it's going to get you trending in the right direction. And you don't need to win it by 65 or more for the rest of the country to look at that win and say, you know what? They actually did earn that win because I hate nothing more than when Alabama plays a a group of five team or an FCS team wins by 50 and just you get on Twitter and the rest of college football fans are just saying 50, that's it. It, Not a quality win. So I'm all for it. I think it would be better all around. Yeah. Joyless murder ball is only, only really apt when it's a top 25 team, you know, when it's a power exactly. five team that, that it was actually worth its salt. You know, it's colors, you know, it's traditions, uh, it, joyless murder ball against those smaller programs just for them to get a couple million dollars. I'm, I'm not, I don't think anybody really truly enjoys that at all. Uh, talking with AJ Spur at Spur FM on the Twitter account site editor for roll tide wire, the USA today affiliate of the Alabama crimson tide Tyreek Hill. How are you enjoying Tyreek Hill, man? He's uh he's coming out and defending Tua on what feels like a daily basis. And uh Tua's also growing a little bit of a backbone too, having some bite back at the media and all these questions about his arm strength and, and his his deep accuracy, his leadership. Uh what what's going on with, with the Miami Dolphins passing game now? 
Well, let me start off by saying this. Tua cannot win. He just can't. He, he finally, <laughs> like you said, grew a little bit of a backbone. He called out what he said were uh, the Twitter warriors. And somebody, uh, some blue check on Twitter went ahead and posted it. And, of course, all the comments were, well, why is he so worried about the Twitter warriors? Why is he checking his Twitter? This He's an NFL quarterback. Should, you know, he, he needs to just get out there and, and do what he did at Alabama, uh, wearing a Miami Dolphins uniform, because that's the only way anybody's going to shut up about it. As for Tyreek Hill, I'm willing to start a GoFundMe. I don't personally have enough money. Uh, I don't think they're paying him enough. Uh, sure, on the field, action is great from Tyreek. However, the Cheetah's voice has been insanely impactful um, in terms of just supporting Tua. He just recently started his own podcast that he teased on Twitter, and in that, he said Tua is actually better than 10 Matt Moores combined, <laughs> which is one of the greatest endorsements I have ever heard of any quarterback ever. So they're already starting Tua's Hall of Fame bus. Um, he, he just it's, it's unprompted, and I think Tyreek, as a veteran, knows a confident quarterback is a better quarterback. Patrick Mahomes throws a pass while blinking, and ESPN and SportsCenter go absolutely bananas over it. You know, that's, that's the kind of hype that a quarterback needs. They need, you know, senseless confidence that they can do whatever they, you know, want to do with their abilities, even if they're a little bit limited. I'm not equating to it to Patrick Mahomes, but if he could have even half of Patrick Mahomes' confidence, I think we see Tua improve tenfold yeah, this it, upcoming season. It certainly helped for Patrick Mahomes. His confidence came very, very easily because he had all these weapons. He had a good offense built around him and one of the best play callers in NFL history at the helm. And sure, he's got all the talent as well, but no, no wide receiver. I don't re remember the last time since Terrell Owens cried at a podium that a quarterback needed to be defended so relentlessly by his wide receiver. Uh, so it's good to see that Tyreek is willing to do this for his new QB, but it is also right. a little bit bizarre that it even has to be a thing. There's, there is no other quarterback that it has to go through as far back as I can remember. I mean, Tony Romo's gotten a lot of stuff. Dak's gotten a lot of stuff. But those are Dallas Cowboys quarterbacks. You know, they're they often uh, over-criticized just because of who they play for. But this this with Tua has been uh, a little bit bizarre. I, I, and, I, and Go ahead. Uh-huh. Let's not forget here, you know, Dak has been in the league for a little bit of time now. You know, and, and you can probably say, all right, we can judge him. He's had a, a strong offensive line. He has Zeke. He used to have Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Gallup. You name it. He, he's, he had the team. You know, he had the supporting cast. Tony Romo also got a lot of flack. But then again, Tony Romo was, you know, a, a figure within the NFL. He, he was outspoken uh, he, as he is now as an analyst. You know, Tua, on the other hand, he's, you know, entering the third year of his rookie contract after dealing with an insane debacle with the front office staff and the owner and the head coach. And it's just kind of like, you know, what started this? Where, where was the initial ember that ended up turning into this massive forest fire that is, you know, the two of me? I just don't get it. AJ, Joe Gaither, I'm going to chime in just for a second. And, and I, I have an accusation here. Okay. I know that it's you running the two and on account. I know that it is. 
I need you to um, own, I need I, you to own it I, right I, here on off the edge with, with, with all I, the the sixty nine <laughs> yard pass. The you know him talking about oh I think that that pass the other day fifty five yards I think that was a touchdown. Did y'all film it and all the everybody complained <laughs> because the the Dolphins media wouldn't let them film it. But I know that it's you putting on that fake voice dis, 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 distorter and uh, operating and running <laughs> the two and on account. Own it. Blink once for yes. Blink twice for no. I've got a family emergency I have to tend to. It was great. I've loved every time I visited this show. However, moving forward, I think it might be best to... I signed an NDA, Joe. I go. signed an NDA. <laughs> I, think, I think there's been a time or two where, where AJ has called and, and the sound is just a tad bit muffled and it's because he's talking through that dolphin mask. <laughs> That's it. I, <laughs> Expect us. There you go. There you go. That's all we need. Just we just need to know, and and now we know. We're we're all aware. Uh, nobody has a better social media presence than AJ. And when and when we saw that that AJ, you know, may, you know, dipped out a little bit, is because Tua Anon was born, and AJ put everything behind that. So AJ, we love the jokes, man. We we appreciate your time, and uh, can't look, uh, can't wait to talk to you again next week. Likewise, thanks for having me on, Jacob, and uh, I'll talk to y'all next week and. Just remember, expect us. There you go. Expect us. Two and on. AJ Spur. At Spur FM on the Twitter account. But more importantly, more importantly, at Two and on on the Twitter account. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Continue the conversation here on Off the Edge. Tied 100.9. You're home for Alabama Crimson Side Sports. Everybody loves Taco Down. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Occasionally cloudy with scattered to numerous showers and thunderstorms this afternoon and tonight. The high today 89, tonight's low 70. For tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers and thunderstorms around. The high 88. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 85 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Follow Off the Edge on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for live streams and instant analysis. Off the Edge with Jacob Harrison continues. What's your reaction to the views and reactions? Okay, so last year, do y'all know how much I weighed last year? Yeah, I didn't know. You were listed 232. I was listed. I yeah. weighed 232 since... What's that? Who was that last, second to last game? Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I was 242 last year. All right. And now I'm 244. But if you guys didn't know, you always are heavier in this than you would play in the season. In the camp, I mean, than you play in the season. So, I mean, I'm going to play at 242. It wasn't a big, you know I mean? I know it's so, oh, going to cool. I'm bigger than Jerome Bettis. Jerome Bettis, no, it's not. <laughs> Tell Jerome, though, because that's the homie. Y'all, man, y'all making it seem like I'm just fat as hell. Just whatever though, you know. Y'all, 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 y'all get under my skin. I ain't gonna lie. That's what. That's what I like, y'all. You know, not, not too many people can get under my skin. But y'all, y'all have a, you have a tendency to doing that. I love Najee Harris. I love Najee Harris so much. It's so refreshing. I mean, the honesty that that pours out of that man. And let's two forty four is big. That is massive for a running back. Uh, and, and to be honest, for, for Najee, it's all in his thighs, right? For Jerome, it was all in his gut. <laughs> Jerome could run though. 
I mean, Jerome could get out in space early in his career. Najee, not so much, not all the time. I mean, he finds space, but he's not going to bust off long touchdown runs. But. How about the disingenuous comparisons to Eddie Lacy? Go! Get out of here! Yeah, I'm not... Najee is a a guy that, that works really, really hard. And I'm not saying Eddie Lacy didn't either. China food, man. But dude like to eat. And, and liking to eat and being a running back, they don't go hand in hand. And you want to be a defensive lineman? Fine, sure. But Eddie Lacy was much too short to do that. Had one hell of a spin move. <laughs> I mean, to, to be a big guy like that and have a 99 spin move rating, I mean, that's that's mightily impressive. Uh, should not go unnoticed. The, the dominance that he had over Notre Dame, just as impressive as the dominance that Najee Harris had over Notre Dame. So it is what it is. I'm excited, though, for, for Najee to get back on the field for the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. I don't think anybody should expect anything different from him uh, as far as, as anything. I mean, he said it, you know. Everything gets gets overly reacted to when it comes to uh, to preseason stuff, right? And and Jeff was kind of right about that. I mean, people are going to they're gonna take things and try to understand things that maybe they don't have the full picture on. Uh, and they're also going to just kind of reach. Dude, I saw a top 10 coaches in the NFL list today that was made by PFF, because of course it was, and Mike Tomlin and Sean McVay were not on it. Cliff Kingsbury, who has not had a winning record in the NFL yet. Right? Am I wrong on that? Cliff Kingsbury has not had a winning record in the NFL yet. Ooh, were they, weren't the Cardinals close to the playoffs? Hold on. Yeah, they were close to the playoffs. Arizona Cardinals. Either way, if they did have a winning record last year, it was just barely over 500 because I don't I don't think they made the playoffs last year. If that's the case, they were 11 and six last year, 11 and six and eight and eight. Any in the second that was his two years, right? Or, okay. Uh, did he start in 2019? They were five, ten, and yeah, one. He's been there for three years, I think. Five, ten, and one, eight yeah. and eight, and then 11 and six. Okay, so they that, lost in the wild card round last year. Is one 11 and six season and a loss in the wild card wild card enough to make Cliff Kingsbury? The a top five coach in the NFL heading into the season? No. You know what is good enough to make you a top five coach in the NFL? Ten straight seasons of no losing seasons. Actually, it's it's more than that. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. So people are going to jump to conclusions, right? I think Madden already jumped to a conclusion. Have you seen Najee Harris in a render in Madden? Dude, his, his legs are like tree trunks. They're as big as the player that he's jumping over in in the screenshot. It's it's ridiculous. So, and and that's the thing is, Najee has always been so open, but yet it always feels like there's such a large sect of the media that just refuses to really be able to understand him. Because there's a guy that that posted the video that we just that we just played. Uh, who in response under his tweet said, you know, nobody here is like attacking Najee for his weight or anything like that. We just, we were told this was his weight. He played at 232 last year or so we were told and we reacted to it. Like Najee's not like mad at you guys. <laughs> He's just being a genuine human when he reacts to you and says, hey, no, I mean, whoever wrote 232 last year, they lied. I played at 242. Now I'm 244. I'm going to go back down to 242 when it's time to play. And I'm going to play just as good as I did last year. And everybody's going to have to deal with it. Because that's how Najee Harris rolls. And, I mean, the Steelers are going to have to continue to lean on him. Because uh, either either big game Mitch or Kenny Pickett's going to have to be the quarterback of my team. And 
It's concerning. You don't like Kenny? Kenny Pickett? Hey, man, don't, don't be slipping on Maserati Mitch. Maserati Mitch is going to take you the first six, seven, eight weeks, and what is it? You're going to... You, you're gonna be what, what, four and three, and then you're oh, we're, we're like oh, this guy, we gotta move on to Kitty Pickett. Like, dude, M- Mitchell's gonna be serviceable. You know what terrifies me is the 2019 season for for my Steelers. The fact that that team found a way to go eight and eight, only because of the defense, right? Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges, those guys were terrible, terrible, and Mitch is better than both of them. What terrifies me, honestly, is that the Steelers are going to be too good for their own good with Mitchell Trubisky as a starting quarterback. Kenny Pickett is not starting the game this year. I don't th- unless Mitch gets hurt. I think Mitchell Trubisky is a starting quarterback for my Steelers, yes, which sir. is which is a total good thing for Najee Harris fans, by the way, because uh, that just means- and Deontay Johnson fans. That little yeah. short slant. That li- I mean, tell me that little oh, yeah. short slant's going to be money all all year long. It, it's going to be so much money that Deontay Johnson's going to get paid somewhere else. <laughs> you know, that's I mean, fine as long as he's relevant in my fantasy football keeper league. That's yeah, fine. Mine too. I got D- I got DJ as well. So we'll see how things things play out. I mean, Najee's got it all. Um, so happy that he's a Steeler. That's going to do it for today. It's a Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow. The Jay Parker Show is coming up next. I'm Jacob Harrison. That's Joe Gaither. That's Mason Woods. Hunter Brantley. As well, big thanks to AJ Spur. Big thanks to all of you guys as well. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. for Off the Edge here on Tide 100.9. Your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports.